Hello, and welcome to Carry On Up The Misses. I'm Christopher, and this is The Misses. Hello, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. So, we have reached that point, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, our viewing, for our viewing pleasure this evening, uh, has been Carry On Emmanuel. What did you think, Fiona? I have one word for you. Mm-hmm. Blatant. <laughs> Blatant! This is blatant, you can't say it. <laughs> it is. This is blatant. Now, you've led me to believe this was a genre of film that was quite common in the this era. Mm-hmm. I am not au fait with this genre of film. <laughs> um, Which genre are you not au fait with? Uh, porn not claiming to be porn. Right, so like, like... Erotica, whatever you want well, to call it. British sex films. Is British sex comedies of okay. the 1970s, yes. So, um, I, I'm shocked and appalled. <laughs> um, I just think it's a shame because what was funny about Carry Ons, uh-huh. and I say was, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's the subtlety, the slight tongue in cheek, the suggestiveness of it, not just screaming it. Mm-hmm. And I just think all of that's gone, along with the laughs. Well, you did have a few laughs. Yeah, there's some at the beginning, but then... Uh-huh. Uh, once it became too blatant. Once it became too blatant, then... Um, and, and I think they did stop trying for the double entendre and things like that that would make mm-hmm. you laugh. You know, um, I mean, I enjoyed watching the film. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was awful or there was bad acting or anything like that, but I did think it's not a carry-on film. It's not what I love about carry-on films. Right. So... so um, can I ask you two questions, <laughs> neither of which you have to answer, or the one of which I think you'll be happy to answer, or what you might not be happy to answer on the podcast, but, um, so I'll phrase it in a certain way. Was it, was it <coughs> a successful comedy film? <coughs> no. Do you think that for anyone it might have been a successful uh, titillating film? Yes. Oh, do you think? Yeah. Right, okay. I'm not saying it was a turn off. Uh-huh. I'm just saying that it wasn't funny and what I love about Carry On. Uh, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have to go down that road now. Um, Kenneth Williams' uh, bottom, is this what did it for you? Well, you see, I wrote a note down. I didn't have a section for Kenny's bottom. This was early on. <laughs> and then we, we saw an awful lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hell of a lot of women... Yes. Um, so I kind of got used to it. You didn't really see that much of... You saw tits. But even then, you didn't, you didn't see that many tits. Was there not enough tits for you? <laughs> I'm just saying, if you'd come for tits, you'd have gone away going, well, I think I counted three. What, individuals or episodes? Three, <laughs> three separate tits. Okay. <laughs> but those three tits we might have seen a few times. Uh, well... I don't know, I don't, to be honest with you, the only actual here are some tits that I can remember. Hope you're enjoying this, kids. Uh, <laughs> might, the nurse. This might be one not to let the children listen to. Uh, if any children want to listen to this <laughs> shit, anyway. Yeah, it was a nurse at the end, and then when Emmanuel was on the um, sunbed thing, or under the sunbed, <laughs> sun <laughs> oven, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but even I kind of thought that was almost accidental that you could see her nipples then. And also the dress she wore that was see-through. Oh, was it that see-through? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. And um, 
But then there was plenty of lingerie. Yes, 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 definitely that. But I mean, that's been in the carry-ons since very early on. Yeah, yeah. black and white. But no, I think lingerie. But the thing is, it's not just about uh, square meterage of skin exposed. <laughs> no, it, it's more about the suggestiveness. I and and, and it, it's just, just as I said, it's susceptible to blatant. Um, there, there could have been a lot more cutting away of scenes and things like that, mm. so that you knew what was going on, but you didn't have to actually see the seduction to the point you did. I think what, what I thought was interesting on that point was that actually the script wasn't much different from previous carry-ons. There were still innuendos there and double entendres, but it's almost as if that doesn't work yeah. if you're also seeing people essentially having sex. Mm. Um, so I, that was that, that was kind of what I thought that was like. Okay, that's a good line, but it doesn't work if you're if you've already seen that film yeah, done yeah. doing all this. Um, so where where shall we where shall we start then? Laughs, we'll get it over and done with. Laughs, yeah. Didn't you? Um, yeah. Okay. What have you got? First one. I've got uh, when they're on the Concorde mm-hmm. and they're doing it in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and then you got a shot of the Concorde and its tip went up. Yes, the nose of the Concorde went became erect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Imagine them getting the money to film on Concord. Well, it wasn't on Concord. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to how cheap this film was. Um, now, this I thought was quite a clever line, actually, when mm-hmm. um, Kenny was with his wife. His wife. Kenny was, was the French ambassador to to England. Yes, and Emmanuel was his wife. Was his wife. And when Emmanuel was saying, "I want to sleep with you," when she arrived. Mm-hmm. He says, you can have any ha- uh, Tom, Dick or Harry. And she says, I don't want any Tom or Harry. I she thought, just wanted Dick. Yes. Yes. I thought that was... See, that was a nice way of saying it. Yeah. Rather than just saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when uh, Kenneth Williams did his back out, he was in pain and went, I'm completely bent, which I thought was a very good nod to the fact that none of this would have actually turned him on. <laughs> Well, I see. I don't know. Kenneth Williams was never publicly gay. All oh, right. Um, but certainly, you know, we've seen him play on the idea that he probably yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure we ever. It's okay. It was a different time. I mean, he he didn't seem to make any great secret of his preferences. But equally, he was a very private man. So you know, he wasn't shouting it from the rooftops. Um. But yes, he was completely bent uh, on that uh, line. And then this other line, which I don't, I don't think it was that funny, but it, it tickled me, was when they were going around the table talking about all the um, important guests that they had for dinner. Oh, yes. And then they, they referred to one of them as being the master of the rolls, and he, he had a red roll. In his hand yes, at that, that point. that made me giggle. <laughs> well, that was good. Uh-huh. Um, and then when the servants were around the kitchen table talking about their amorous situation. Yes, the, the, the below-stairs staff really were our, our core carry-oners here. Jack yes. Douglas was the butler. Uh, Joan Sims was the housekeeper. Kenneth Connor was the chauffeur. And Peter Butterworth was the <laughs> aged boot boy. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, there wasn't enough story there or enough of them to, to carry the carry-on elements. Yeah, okay. Um, but... The uh, Jack Douglas said to um, Bernard Breslau, no, no Bernard Breslau, Kenneth Connor, Ken, no the other one, Peter Butterworth, Peter Butterworth, um, 
you can go next with your story. And he got up to leave <laughs> going, thanks. Yeah. Yes. Now, I've just written stage 53. I don't know what that means. Oh, that was... Peter Butterworth's story was about when he was in the war. Oh, yes. And then he ended up in... In um, a church with a vicar who had a very young and nice-looking niece. And he stayed there till 1953. 53, yes. I thought it didn't need... The then had Jack Douglas go, wait a minute, the war ended in 1945. Yeah. No, it didn't need that. It was yeah. funny without you yeah, know, pointing without out that that was long out. after the war. Yeah. And so that's all I've got. The only other thing I had was also Peter Butterworth and also in the same scene, when Emmanuel came down to the to the below stage. Oh, and he was... Yeah, he got very excited. And so that doesn't his, work in the podcast, yes. doing the action. Yes, he was jiggering his... But uh, he did that early, didn't, earlier, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he was always doddery because he was meant to be very. No, old. no, the jittering the cup thing um, upstairs. He did it when she first arrived, and oh, then he got on the stairs and and he did that, didn't he? Or uh, well, anyway, there maybe was when a, they were looking through the because they were all looking through the keyhole at the. Uh, no, I don't think it was then because he had a cup of tea the first time around, and then there was oh, a glass right. of whiskey the second. Anyway, anyway, yes, that was funny. All right. Though I would say that the foreign accent. Um, Emmanuel saying that she was having it off with everyone instead of saying hitting it off was mm-hmm. exactly the same joke as we just had in Carry On Archaeology. Whoever oh, Carry On Behind. Yes. Yeah, there's a few recycled uh, mm. gags here. Well, if I which, even I'm seeing them, then they must be. Yeah, which, which given that it was it, none of it was written by at least Talbot Rothwell was recycling his own jokes in the earlier ones. This is somebody else recycling it, other yeah. people's jokes. Um. Okay. I thought it was interesting. Well, I thought that the whole setup was um, British people are repressed, mm-hmm. and these are French people. Oh, the Republic, I don't know what. It was for the was supposed to be French. Okay, yeah. the French people coming over and being all um, free love and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting that they had to do that, and Kenny had to be French in order to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, to to contrast the the British repression, but you also couldn't have a British person being have, having an open relationship with his wife. I don't think that. Would oh no, not well. no, not not to be frank. Even now, I think you would struggle to put that on a main a mainstream film. Yeah. Um, but I I mean that that is I, it would appear from what you said that you're not familiar with the plot of the original Emmanuel film. No. No. Um, it, it's kind of similar in that she is a diplomat's wife. Um, he is, and there's a, there was a little nod to it because he is in the Far East, and that was kind of mentioned that they'd been in the Far East. Oh, yes. Um, and, yeah, she basically has sex with lots of people. Um, to further his career, or? Not really. That's kind of incidental, but the basis of him being a diplomat, I think, kind of came from from uh, that. Um, but there's also quite a bit of, I'm, I'm purely talking here from research that I have done and not memory. Um, there is quite a bit of... You've got a warmed bit of, <laughs> of VHS somewhere. <laughs> well, you, Emmanuel was never shown on, I don't think it's ever been shown on real telly. I might be wrong about that because it's kind of acceptable now, these sort of 70s uh, I remember being allowed to watch an X-rated film at school. <gasps> what was that? Walkabout. Oh, walkabout! Oh, there's a lot of VHSs with a lot of worn bits of walkabout. <laughs> um, anyway, what was I saying there about? Um, yes, yeah, so in Emmanuel, there's a lot of flashbacks, which they're obviously the the, the below stair staff in this. Oh uh, yeah. We're doing the flashbacks. Um, 
But, I mean, Manuel was like a massive hit, and basically any pornographic film that was made just had Emmanuel, you know, put the title, change the title yeah. to Emmanuel, and came with a big hit. So, uh, obviously, it was a, a target um, for the for the carry-ons. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of came about in an odd way, because England had uh, not done well at all. Oh, carry-on England. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, well, you can see why. Rank had not been prepared to put money in to England. Right. Um, and EMI, who had put money into England, weren't prepared to put money into any more carry-ons. So, um, which is why you get Cleves Investment. Not really sure quite who they are. Um, but um, a lot of the money came from the director and producer themselves right. uh, to make this. Uh, is this why this it's film. so cheap? And and I think it showed that it was cheap. Um, although it was clever as well because it really took advantage of. Um, the fact that you can film in public places. Yes. So that meant you could have the changing of the guard because it happens in public. Because mm. when that was happening, I was thinking none of these guardsmen are going to be able to interact in any way with the camera because they, you know, are, they, they, they are actually changing of the guard. And there's another bit later on where I thought, oh, this is, they've done it again here. Um, where the, you know, they've, they've, well, they basically hold all the London landmarks. Yes. So, so then the bit when she was stripping in front of the, um, guard. Yeah. Um, with that blatant just backdrop. Oh yeah. Film. That, yes, yes. Yes. It just shows you how bad it was to do any kind of projection onto mm-hmm. film or whatever it mm-hmm. would would have been uh, back in the day. But I thought that the editing was quite good um, between the real St James's Palace and her standing in front of the the acting guard. And same with the, the man who walked along who the guard was really interested yeah. in. She wasn't happy that the guard hadn't been interested in her. But then a man walked along and the guard was really interested in him. Um, but I think there's a limit. And the other thing that they did was they used a lot of stock footage yeah. um, to, uh, fill it out. to fill it out a bit. But there's a limit to how long you could have continued doing this in more films. Yeah. You know, before it'd be like, okay. But all they needed was one more successful one, and then they would have got investment. They could have got the money. Next, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, was this one successful? I'm afraid it wasn't. Um, it got, uh, they wanted it to get an A rating. Um, but the British Board of Film Classification was like, there's no way this is getting a, anything less than double A, which meant that you lost a, anybody under 14, basically. Um, well, rightly so. It was blatant. Yeah, but. Too blatant for under 14 year olds. But under 14 year olds were a great proportion of the carry ons audience. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder, while I personally, I think this was a better film than we've had since Dick. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, I think we have kind of reached the end of the road here, haven't we? Kind of, I think we've got there a long while ago. Diminishing returns. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to really persuade Kenny to, to be in this, because mm. he thought it was just filth. Well, it was. Which it was. So they upped his money, so he got six grand, the highest. Well, he didn't quite get six grand. They offered him six grand, but he'd have to pay for his own car to get there and back, and they eventually settled for five, seven fifty, and they would pay for the car. Uh, so, and but he, was, he wasn't in it very much. He didn't really have scenes with anybody apart from Emmanuel. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne Danielle. Um, so they could have like done that in one block. Yeah, and it was filmed four weeks. Really. Which is the you know uh, the you know the um, the TV interview scene was yeah. done in a single day. 
which when you realise, you know, usually they only get like a minute or a half of film a day generally. Mm. Okay, that was a long scene to be to, to do in the day. Uh, so yeah, basically this is this is the last one for a long time. A twelve hours officer, this is the last one because lots of people die between now and the next one. Right. But uh, there we go. But it was to be honest, I don't know how I liked about it was it was very late seventies. It was. This was the world in which I grew up. I know. The decor, connected headphones, the makeup, yes. Uh, Aircraft loos. They really haven't changed in 40 years, have they? They're identical now to what they were. Certainly not any bigger. No. You couldn't really do what they did in an aircraft loo, I don't think. Should we have a go? (laughs) (laughs) I love a challenge. You might have suggested that we might have already done that. No. Fine. <laughs> Should we go to a, it's a different time? It was a different time. It was indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably haven't written down everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wrote sexy woman at the start. <laughs> the woman being blatant. On an aeroplane. On an aeroplane. Mm-hmm. And she was just um, flaunting herself. Mm-hmm. And not taking, I don't know. I mean, she just invited him to follow her, so maybe that was. Anyway, I just wrote mm-hmm. sexy woman, but then I wrote um, when Kenneth Collis' character, hey, hey. Um, was driving her around London. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, are you sure you don't want to come up here? Come on, it's nicer up here. Mm-hmm. Um, all this, that, and the other, and I like this, and I like a big column, and you know. Um, mm-hmm. And she wasn't actually responding, encouraging it whatsoever. No. So it wasn't acceptable that he kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote that. And and he referred to his Daimler as pervertible. Oh, yes. And all that kind of suggestive stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I've written Staff's USA, but I don't know what that means. Staff's USA? Stats? Anyway. I don't know. Um... I've written soldier rape scene. Oh, yes. When... <laughs> Don't think I saw that bit, did I? When um, Butterworth was in the army. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, this was then, cheap. Oh, it was cheap. And then they, uh-huh. he went behind a bush with the local woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, bush shaped in a very sexual rhythmic manner. Mm-hmm. And then they came out and, ah, they're only changing clothes. The two Germans. Um, yeah. And so... Um, the now woman in soldier uniform was carted off to be, become a prisoner, and then the German man took interest in um, Peter, Butterworth. Peter Butterworth, dressed up as a woman, um, and tried to force himself on her. Uh-huh. So he... Uh, but he got a surprise, didn't he? He got a surprise behind the tree, but also, you know, that's effectively assault. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, so that was that. Mm-hmm. And then um, the geeky boy, Theodore. Larry Dan as Theodore Valentine. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to abduct Emmanuel oh, yes. uh, to keep her for, for his himself. sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, that was equally... Well, uncomfortable. yeah, that, that was uncomfortable. Although I would say he... Well, there's no excuse, but he did have purer motives. And he wanted to stop her being... How do you know that? 
Because he said, I, he said, I want you for myself. I want you for no, but he said before you shouldn't be doing this. And I know, but he wanted her to be doing it with yeah. him. And yeah, him okay, fair enough. He wanted to control her one way or another. Yes, uh, it was all yes. wrong. And by gunpoint. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I've got. Mm-hmm. I'm sure um, there's plenty others I might. Well, the only, the only the one the sort of glaring one that I thought about was, um, well, actually two glaring ones. A lot of uh, racial stereotyping going on here. The British Indian man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly the... Um, Both uh, the customs man and the, cust- the doctor. Well, uh, like, yeah, but the customs man, the question, oh, how did you get in? As if he wasn't entitled to be British. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they're also very sort of strong accent, typically turbaned and... Doing the wobbly head. And doing the wobbly mm-hmm. You can't do the I can't accent. Do the, I can't do the accent. Well, luckily I can't do the accent, so therefore I couldn't be accused of doing the accent. Yeah. But, yeah. But the fact, apart from the custom guy a bit, maybe, but it didn't need to be Indian. It wasn't really part of the... No, so, I mean, the, 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 the customs man, because you got the... The, the the joke of, you know, well, how did you get in yeah. if you have to be... But then he did get to come back with, I'm completely British. Mm. And, you know, there was no sort of... I don't know, maybe it's like, well... There was no kind of comeback to that, but then maybe there didn't need to be. It's just you can then confirm your own prejudice or not. Yeah. Um, certainly the Doctor did not need to be a comedy Indian. He could just have been an Indian Doctor. Yeah, I know. Um... But then, on the other hand, you've got... Why not? At least he was an Indian. At least the, in a yeah. film series that has been... Oh, it wasn't like the guy blacked up? Yeah, or basically in a film series where I think you can count... I think we've now doubled the number of... Um, non-white. Non-white actors yeah. that have been in it with speaking parts. Yeah. Um, so, you know... Why not? Some representation is representation. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, a thornier topic, isn't it? Yes. Um... The other point I would say is that at the end, Theodore had a comedy suicide attempt, oh, yeah. which we just let uh, let slide by. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother was something else, wasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the mother was something else. Not really a funny no. character. <laughs> terribly, terribly awkward. Yeah. Y- yeah, I found a woman. Oh, I doubt it, dear. Mm-hmm. I'll be very happy with her. No, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah, well, it's very dark, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in one way, yeah, you could actually could um, Beryl Reed, who uh, you know, why is it taking her this long to get into the carry-ons? But um, you know, did not put much fun into Mrs. Valentine, did she? No. Uh, hmm. But on the whole issue of um, you know, imagine a, a, a plot where essentially a sex scandal could bring down the British government. Who could imagine such a thing, eh? I know. Now, bear in mind, listeners, you're listening in the future. We're listening in the past, when we were right in the thick of this. I know, uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, who trying. knows? Who yes. knows what might happen? Who knows what might happen in the next few days or, or weeks? But I suppose it's really just reflecting, you know, Profumo brought down a... Profumo scandal brought down a government in 1963. So, uh, you know, there had been precedent for it. Mm. But, um, okay. Uh, I did quite like her point that it's not wrong for her to influence politics as long as she does it with both sides. <laughs> yes, when she was caught with the uh, prime minister. Uh, yes. Oh, and the leader of opposition, but she also with the 
Russian ambassador as well as the American ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought there was actually some quite good lines in it that kind of were lost in the not quite innuendo, not yeah. quite, which was one of them was the uh, American ambassador at the dinner party. Um, he said, there's a definite trend towards a swing against the backlash, which was a great, this is, this means nothing, you know, a trend yeah. towards a swing against the backlash. And later on, the journalist, when um, Theodore Valentine tried to sell his story, uh, he said, what good is proof if you haven't got the evidence? <laughs> Which I quite like. Uh, two. Um, that section where she was going around all the um, ministers and, and she ambassadors. she had her knickers on, I think. Yes. The American ambassador had the best coat stand. <laughs> I don't recall what it was. It was just like it was like um you're just talking decor here. Yeah, right? just in the decor. Uh there were like um You're not doing very good podcasts. Right angled podcasts. right right angled um <laughs> subscribe your hat right now. angled poles and off each one it was uh a circle, like a like a ring. Oh yes, I was like, oh, that's quite good that. Um, because it was so seventies. It was so I love it. So seventies. Oh, Theodore Valentine really weird. He had on his wall there lots of pictures of Emmanuel, obviously, yeah. and a couple of pictures of Concord. But he had a framed picture that looked really weird. It looked as if it was j- largely uh, like an American Western scene, but in the middle of it was this really huge, scary looking head, and I was like, that kind of fascinated me that for, well, I didn't for a couple of it. scenes. Yeah, Actually, yeah. in the different time, we didn't talk about the um, football team queuing up to Shagha. Yeah, well, that's not a different time. That happens all the time, doesn't it? No. <laughs> but okay, let, let's 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 get onto this point though. Is it just her being all powerful, or is it her being taken advantage of? Is that what yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Discuss the point you've just made. Um. She has agency here. She is the one that is initiating yeah. all of these sexual encounters. Yes, and I, she has a perfect right to do that, and I don't think it's um, exploitation mm-hmm. if, if she has instigated it. But equally, I don't think it's um, something that you want to portray on British film as acceptable behaviour or, mm-hmm. or morally correct or uh, funny Oh, it's just a laugh, you know. It's it's her choice, but especially for younger people, I think it's a it's a slippery or a difficult message to portray that it's all just fun and giggles. Mm. Yes. Shall we go through the cast? <laughs> go on then. And what we thought of them in this particular. Uh, I would say Jack Douglas. Well, don't say it until we get to him. Jack Douglas. <laughs> you can say Jack Douglas, but don't don't discuss his character until we get to him. Or Jack Nicholson. Uh, Jack, not Jack, <laughs> Jack Nicholson, that's Jack Douglas. Whoa, hey. Uh, imagine a good impression of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Douglas. Um, Kenneth Williams as Emile Prevert. I thought he was quite good. Mm-hmm. We saw a bit too much of him. Yeah. I thought he, you could tell his heart was not in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think he needs other carry-on people to play off. And he didn't get that. And he didn't get that. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Suzanne Danielle as Emmanuel Prevert. I, I mean, you've got the fact that she was in control and, and there's an element of power with what mm-hmm. she was doing. Um, and she was pretty. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of her. I still didn't like her. No, maybe not. Well, you not. meant to, I don't know. I think you're right to like her a bit, I think. Um, I thought she did quite well, given that this was really our first acting job. Mm. She was 23 the kind of part that it was, the people she was acting against, mm. largely a lot of old pros and the kind of thing she was being asked to do. Mm. Um, I certainly think if, you know, if that part had not been played well, this film would be almost completely unwatchable. Yeah. They needed to get the right person for that Yeah, part. she did kind of pull you along with her. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Kenneth Connor, what was Kenneth Connor's character called? The uh, chauffeur. The, the chauffeur. Uh, I want to say Davenport, but I don't think that's right. No, I don't know. What do we think of him? He was okay. There wasn't much to him. I thought I actually thought he, of all of them, was really putting his back into the comedy. Well, that's I think true. Yeah. It's almost as if whether he liked it or not, whether you know whether he appreciated the type of comedy or not, he seemed to react well to having something slightly different to do than carry-on style comedy. Okay. That's fair fair. enough. Joan Sims is the brilliantly named Mrs. Dangle. I liked her, though I thought she could have easily been younger and sexier in the laundrette scene. Yeah. Um, And probably a bit too prudish in the as an older woman. But that kind of, and there was a sort of change came over her, but it was never really clear why. Yeah. But that's, I think that's happened a lot in the carry-on. Just like, this person changed and we don't really have a justification for it. She really put her, she really put her all into smacking Jack Douglas on the arse when he was first (laughs) (laughs) looking through the keyhole. I could see that she was like, what What are you doing? Uh, And let's move on to Jack Douglas as uh, I actually, what I was going to say is, it wasn't funny, and it would be a lot more funny as Titmus, but I thought he was actually a really good actor, mm-hmm. and that held the story and the and the characters and the mm-hmm. and everything quite well together. You, I think you believed that you believed in him, yeah, in a way that maybe he didn't everybody else. Yeah. I think maybe that's true of Suzanne Danielle as well. Actually, you kind yeah, of believed yeah. in that character. Uh, yes, no, Al, not even the vaguest hint of Alf, when no. there was plenty of opportunities to oh, yeah. to do that. It reminded me of, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the carry-on laughings, he played two parts, the one with Queen Elizabeth I. Oh, yeah. And you didn't even realise it was him. Yeah. So straight was he. Yeah, yeah he, is, th- he is good at straight. I think I think he might have been, this might be, he might be the best performance in this yeah. film. Peter Butterworth as Richmond, the aged boot boy. He was good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I mean, it was really the one joke he didn't really hear. Yeah. Um, but he did a shaky cup very well. Yes. And all of that non-verbal acting that he does, mm-hmm. he just when he when his glasses broke because he seen too much sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the other thing. Them looking in on a married couple having sex mm-hmm. and being scandalised. It's like you're being a peeping tom and. <laughs> They're a married couple, yeah. and... Oh, I'm happy about that. <laughs> I, was that... I can't believe I've asked this question about the carry-ons. 
Is that a realistic scene? <laughs> did that work? In, did that work even in the narrative of the film that they would all be so interested in looking through the keyhole? I think maybe if they never thought that their master was ever gonna ha- ever have sex, then mm-hmm. maybe it was the novelty mm-hmm. of it. I don't know, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think that's. Okay, uh, right. We're now on to some of the smaller parts. Victor Madden was the man in the laundrette. He was quite good for that mm-hmm. one scene. Went on a bit that laundrette scene. No. We've got the kind of gist. And of I it. hate people chewing gum. Was he chewing gum yeah. while he was it? He looked suitably sleazy. Well, I'm not sure if he was meant to. That was mm. just he just looked a man from the seventies. Uh, Michael Nightingale. I would say he's quite old for young sex scene thing. Oh, but I think that was, I don't think that was meant to have been a long time ago. I know, but still, as in this day and age, you'd never get someone that old being a sexual. Oh, character. Well, character. That's possibly true, very possibly. Um, next is Michael Nightingale, who was, I can't remember quite, oh, the commissioner of the yeah. Metropolitan Police. I mean, all of these people, I would say, apart from Theodore, we can talk about, and the mum, I think all the others are just such small parts that you couldn't. Um, okay. Though I did like the interviewer. Well, let's just quickly go to Eric Barker, one of your favourites from the early days. He didn't. Got a slight scene, didn't get any lines. Um, uh, Bruce Boa was the American ambassador. That's a bit unfortunate they introduced the American as a burping man. Is that that, slightly racist? Yes. That was was as racist as the Arabian man being, well, having bought his stuff at Marks and Spencer's. What was that about? Oh, I don't know, but the bag took you back, didn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I thought it was a bit strange. And this, uh, uh, don't comment on this if you just... Oh, was this about look an Arab bought Marks and Spencers? Oh, uh, no, not Marks and Spencers, but Harrods. Ah. Uh. Um, now, what I'm going to say here about about that section where she was having the affairs with all the various people, um, they would hang something on the coat hook, yeah. and she would hang her knickers on the coat hook. Mm-hmm. It struck me as odd that the first thing she took off in every occasion was her knickers. Because she only took off her knickers. Well, did she? That's what I was thinking. They were all oh, pretty shorties. Oh, were they? Right. No, she was being squeezed in between the cabinet meeting and, and the and golf. And golf. No, that was the shadow cabinet and the golf. What, what was it between the cabinet meeting and something, a statement of the house or something? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Larry Dan as Theodore Valentine. He did it very well because I thought he was creepy as fuck. <laughs> oh, which was what he was meant. I to think be. so. Yeah. So I liked his connected headphones on the on the plane. I thought he was quite good, actually. Um, yes, he was creepy, but I believed that he'd fallen in love with her and or was, just was the with first her. woman ever to touch him. Well, I think that, that might have been weather. a bit of that. That wasn't. There was a slightly odd bit there when he came in and declared his love for her when she was on the sunbed. He said, never felt like this about anybody, not even my mother. As if maybe he had. Like, oh, no, no, I think he was just saying that I feel stronger. Oh, I feel more strongly about you than, than even my mum. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, so the last two are two people who I can't believe haven't been in a carry-on film before this. Henry McGee as uh, Harold, was it Harold Hump? It was definitely Hump because of the Hump report. He was meant to be David Frost. Right. The, the, the I thought he was very good. Yes, mm-hmm. he was, and I kind of believed his turnaround at the end. Yes, him. at oh, least well, at least we're good for the ratings. Yes, I wonder if that was a dig at David Frost. Actually, there's a lot of digs at David Frost in British comedy, and Beryl Reed as um, Mrs. Valentine. She was very good. 
but maybe a bit too good. A bit too good. <laughs> a bit too creepy. So, uh, as I say, we have reached the end of... You keep telling me this so that I'll say, yes, okay, I'll watch whatever final <laughs> one there is. Well, you know there's another one to come. Well, I know there's Columbus. Yeah. Is that all there is? That is the last... <gasps> that is the last... Carry on film with Carry on Columbus. Are but you going to make me watch another TV series or some our interviews podcast, or our something? Our podcast may continue, Ugh. depending on how you feel. And at any point, in the, even in the watching the film... You know I can't more. give up. I never well, finished. Let, let, I'm, I'm no quitter. There will be a gap for us. There's always a gap for, for the listener, but there will be a gap for us because of life commitments before we see Columbus, which is reasonable because there was a gap between... Uh, this and Columbus. So um, I would just take this over. What are our life commitments? We're we not doing this next week. No. Well, <laughs> let's not get into the the details. But you find me a time next week that we could do this, and I'll do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then the week after that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So there you go. Friday the week after that. Uh, we have other commitments. We have other podcast commitments on a Friday, oh, don't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In our burgeoning media empire. Um, so, um, can I take a moment to tell you about who dies between now and Columbus, and you can salute them for their contribution to the carry on? Quite soon after the release of this film, Peter Butterworth dies. Oh, he's been a revelation, I think. I would say. I didn't realise quite how much I like Peter Butterworth until mm. I've watched them this time. Yeah. Gets a lot out of not very much, I think. He does, yeah. Um, shortly after that, in nineteen eighty. Hattie Jakes passed away. Oh, she should have been back in them before she went. Yeah. Always, always likable, always got a laugh. Certainly Depends the early on. ones where she actually got some lines with facial expressions mm-hmm. that she could do to camera. And Often like playing that. quite strong women in yeah. positions of authority. Yeah. Uh, in films that to be honest, can they maybe get a bit a bit of a bad name for that? There are often women in positions of authority in carry on films. Mm. Uh, but also they're often old bags or no, no, no. starlets. Was, yes, mm-hmm. I was going to say women being taken advantage of yes. as well. Yes. Uh, so then uh, in 1988, first of all, in April, Kenneth Williams well, dies. He's dead. But I have to say, the only thing that was keeping me going on to this one was I know Kenneth Williams is in it. Mm. Um, I think he is. He has been amazing in these films. Um, I think I think if anything he's underappreciated for his comedic acting and his serious acting. Loved him. He was one of the things that would keep you watching a carry on mm. film. And a few months later, Charles Hawtrey, the man who started it all for us, mm. I think. You certainly liked him. He's, I did. He, you I certainly felt he made the carry on. Mm. I think the truth is, up until the point when he left the series, he'd been in everything bar one, which was cruising. Which was also just about the only one without him that really, I think, was really satisfying from beginning to end. Mm. So, okay, I don't think his contribution can be underplayed uh, either. So, here I have a pictures of the carry-on cast, people who've been in more than one carry-on film in a large role, who were still alive and working when Carry-on Columbus was being made. Okay. Uh, and this is them at around about that time. Um, so who would you like to see in it out of that? I would say the only person who was still alive but was not working at this time was Terry Scott, who was un- got very unwell and died quite soon afterwards. Okay. 
But we have, first of all, Joan Sims. Oh, she, yes. Yes, you'd put her in. Yes. Kenneth Connor. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Windsor. Yes. Jim Dale. Yes. Bernard Bresler. Yes. Uh, Jack Douglas. Yes. Frankie Howard. No. No? No. You don't like Frankie Howard? He, he, he's good, but he's not a not carrier. Okay. June Whitfield. No. Leslie Phillips. No. Bernard Cribbins. No. No, the Cribbins? He, again, he's good, but he's not. Okay. Angela Douglas. No. John Pertwee. No. Uh, Windsor Davis. Mm, maybe. Windsor Davis, maybe. Richard O'Callaghan. I know. He, he was the young guy in Carry On Loving and Carry On at Your Convenience, the boss's son. He hasn't aged well, has he? No, he didn't age well, unfortunately. Uh, no. Uh, Kenneth Cope. No. Well, this is easy. Terence Longdon, if you remember, from the very, very early days. No. No. Uh, Dillis Lay. No. Uh, Judy Geeson. No. And Peter Gilmore, who we never really spoke about, but is actually in nine carry-on films in proper speaking parts. No. No. So you would want Joan Sims... Kenneth Connor, Barbara Windsor, Jim Dale, Bernard Breslau, Jack Douglas, and Leslie Phillips, and Windsor Davis. Maybe Leslie Phillips, and maybe the Cribbins. And maybe the Cribbins. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, next time, ladies and gentlemen, you will hear uh, whether Fiona it's is like happy or unhappy with Carrie on Columbus and its cast. Do you think that, that, given that all these people potentially are available, could Carrie on Columbus be quite good? I doubt it. Because too much time no has passed. Charlie. Too much different culture. You know, it's being made in such a different culture that maybe it's it, it's. I don't know. I just I I think it it'll be hard to do that without so many of the key people. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, the writers have all died. Mm-hmm. Um. So a lot of the original dynamic and magic isn't going to be there and a lot of the things that made them funny is probably too subtle too slow all the things that modern tv doesn't like so we'll see you looking forward to it no (laughs) well on that bombshell ladies and gentlemen let's see if carry on columbus can well, on the one hand, you've got very low expectations for it. It can only be up from here. On the other hand, you seem to have a preconceived idea of it as well. Let's see how it does. Uh, you can contact us, uh, carryonpodcast at gmail.com or at carryonpodcast uh, on Twitter. But now, for now, all that remains is to say, join us again the next time we carry on up the missus. Bye! Bye. Carry on! Regardless!